If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Hello, today I'd like to introduce you to Sue Chandler. Sue's a Level 3 dressage coach as well as a Level 2 general. She's also a coach educator, Level A dressage judge and a judge educator. Hello Sue, how are you today? I'm good, thank you very much, Venice. Good, good. All good. Yeah. Sue, I want to talk about your favourite inspirational quote, which is, no hour of life is wasted that's spent in the saddle. And just tell, I mean, I, I can imagine, but just tell me a little bit about the quote, what's inspired you and how many hours a day you actually spend in the saddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a philosophical thing, really, and it's actually a very famous quote by Winston Churchill, and I figured if he had enough time to spend some time in the saddle, then, you know, he was doing pretty well. Yep. But you're learning all the time from your horse, trying to obviously form a relationship with the horse, and it's a case of how many hours does it take to become an automatic driver? Well, the same applies for a rider. You know, Mm. you never stop learning. Mm. And uh, as I say, you can't spend enough time in the saddle. I don't spend as much time in the saddle as I used to, but generally I try and ride two horses at least five or six days a week. Mm -hmm. I'm very often away doing clinics and so when I'm home, there's never a day off for them really because I'm away enough to give them breaks. Good, good. So that's the way it is these days. Obviously in the past I've ridden a lot more horses during the day, so younger and fitter then. (laughs) So, because you're already established as a coach, coach educator, judge educator, I want you to just go back. The idea is that people listening to this don't just think, well, that's okay for Sue because she's quite established. I want you to go back and think about when you first started riding. What were things like then? Tell me a little bit about the first day, your first experience. Yeah. Well, I was living in England from when I was a small child. I was born in Melbourne, but we went to England when I was seven. Mm -hmm. And when I was 12, I had the choice of a riding lesson a week or a piano lesson a week. (laughs) And because these days kids do 
many things. They have piano lessons or basketball lessons and riding lessons, but I could on, we could only afford for me to have one lesson a week. Mm-hmm. So from 12 onwards, I basically rode once a week. Mm-hmm. My parents rarely saw me ride because they were always working. I used to go to the stables with a friend mm-hmm. and then I ended up staying for the afternoon to help you know, muck out stables basically, I think we did, and getting horses ready. And when I left school, I went to work at the same stables that I learned to ride at. I did some British qualifications there. Mm -hmm. Then I moved on, came back to Australia, ended up running that riding school that I worked at, that I learned to ride (laughs) at. It's a good good story, isn't it? Good story. But it was hard work. Like Mm, it was, mm. I don't know that anyone will have done it tougher than they do it in England. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I came back to Australia and I worked at riding schools and, you know, I started young horses with the help of people. I rode horses off the track, horses from the sale yards, you name it. But I never actually owned my own horse until I was about 27. So I was lucky enough to ride other people's horses. Mm. And these days you just wonder, look in amazement at what, is happening with our young riders now. They're just so fortunate. Mm, so, mm. yeah, I've, I've been involved with it for a very long time, about 45 years now, and been an eventful life, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell me about your first horse. You got a horse when you are 26. Just tell me yeah, a little my, bit about it. Yeah. Well, I, I did ride other people's horses yes. and, and compete up until that time. Mm, mm. But the first horse I got was a thoroughbred horse. This is going back to the early 80s he'd been a horse that was barred from the racetrack and he was owned by Fred Huvenas who I worked for at the time at the Australian Equestrian Academy in Geelong yep um his son took him to Pony Club State Champs eventing yep and his daughter Yitzka rode him at Gawler and then then he became a dressage horse really and I sort of started off with him at elementary and ended up doing a PI on him but he as my first horse, he was a very talented thoroughbred, but as I say, as he was barred from the racetrack, he sort of had a mind of his own. Okay. And he well, was why was he barred? Was it, was it a barrier thing? I think thing it was or? He was a bolter. Oh, was he? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he was a lovely, lovely type of horse, really nice paces. And, um, but now if we had him now, we'd probably say he have ulcers and – he needed more physio attention and stuff like that. Our horses these days get so much care mm, compared mm, to back then. Mm, but, you know, he taught me – the one thing I tell people that he taught me was to be patient. Okay. I couldn't get on him and say I've got not my full hour today or whatever, mm. uh, so I could never cut my warm-up. I would just do a warm-up and then take him for a walk and get off. Okay. I couldn't cut the warm-up warm up out. So I had to be patient for what I got to get to the point where I could actually ask for more work without without causing tension and, and mm, things like mm, that. So mm. I think that was a fairly important lesson to learn because these days people are fairly impatient. Mm-hmm. And as a coach, I find that's the hardest thing to, one of the hardest things to get riders to understand is that it is a long process and you just have to sometimes take what you get and be happy with what you get. And, you know, you just cannot cut the corners. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. All right, now as a judge, you've started judging. What made you decide to start judging? I think 
probably judging for me is was one of those things that I just got into, you know, yeah. because I was a rider and a coach and I've just been involved in every aspect of our game really since I could. And I just started judging because people thought I'd be a good judge and I think I, I just love to help people as a judge educator as well. But the judging is it, it can be, you know, a little bit uh, daunting at times. Sometimes mm-hmm. you get told, oh, look, you're going to go and judge this test today and might be at a, a more high-profile competition mm-hmm. and you just you have a little bit of a panic, but then you get over it and you just do your own thing and, and basically you're on the right page. I actually quite like judging yep. and I think it's an important job and I suppose it is a way of giving back to the sport, but, I mean, I sort of try and do that as much as I can in other areas anyway. But I think it's really important that people get the right message from judges. Yep, yep. And I like to think that as a rider, I can be a very fair judge. You can see a lot more when you're a rider and Mm -hmm. a judge as well. So, what are the main lessons do you think? You know, because you, as a a judge educator and mentor, what are the main things that you teach young judges? Is it about the technical aspects? Is it more about the the way that? Yeah, you tell me. What are the main lessons for young judges? I've done quite a lot of judges' schools lately. I think the biggest thing that any judge has to understand is that. They're under an enormous amount of pressure Mm -hmm. as soon as they get into the judge's box. And very often when you're just judging, you might be a rider, but you might ride, you know, three or four times a week and then go off to work. Mm -hmm. And then when you're looking at horses, you're actually judging straight up. You're under pressure. And I suggest to go and look and watch as much as you can where you're not actually under pressure to perform as a judge and make all those decisions. Mm, And also make sure if you're watching lessons or coaching activities or judging activities that you're working with somebody that you know has correct knowledge because, I mean, everyone varies in their standard but Mm. you need to know that the person you're listening to is correct and what you're seeing is a correct sort of interpretation of what they're telling the rider to do or 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 judging so I think that takes the pressure off it's the same with coaching if you get control of the ride and you have good communication skills to the group as a ride Mm -hmm. then you can actually start teaching them it's no good having them out of control and trying to have a clear mind to um, give, you know, correct instructions. And it's the same with judging. You've got to be able to look at the horse mm-hmm. and just take the view in and say, right, now what do I have to be addressing? I really think that's important. Okay, okay. All right. Now, going back, you know, you've owned a few horses since 26. Is there a horse mm. that stands out that's taught you a lot? taught you it may not have been your highest level horse but just one that you've had that you've learned learned a lot influenced you in your journey yeah well I've ridden lots and lots of horses haven't competed on all of them but well I say my first horse he that I owned he really taught me to be patient other horses that I've had you know and ridden there's been many many of them and they all teach you something I'm very lucky now well I, I have been I've 
Brian two mares at the moment. One has been a, an absolute showstopper in prelim novice and elementary and then unfortunately injured herself and we're hoping that she comes back to her former glory. We're, we've got fingers crossed now. She's just back in work now. But as a lower-level horse, she taught me to really go for it because I could. And she just sort of relished in it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's been fantastic. The other horse that I have, she's taught me that I actually, a couple of years ago, I was thinking this horse, there's something wrong with this horse and she's, you know, it's time to call it quits. And I actually gave myself a severe talking to because at the time she was 12. Yep. And I just thought, well, 30 years ago, the horse that I had, he he did not start doing any sort of Olympic disciplines until he was 11. (laughs) And then he he invented and then he took up dressage. And I thought, you know what, get over yourself and just work with this horse. And I, since then I've just turned the way I ride her and think about her around. And she obviously did have issues prior to that and still does. But she's now, after having her for seven years, and I'll say she has had a few soundness issues and stuff like that, but now we are turning ourselves around. And I sort of think, well, now she's actually going like a seven-year-old Good. Uh, but she's, you know, 13. So, you know, you can't you can't ever say it's finished unless mm. there's an absolute soundness issue. And I think people are very inclined to treat their horse a bit like a commodity these days. I mean, a horse is like a dog. It's a commitment for the length of the horse's life. Mm. Mm. And um, we have to work with it yep. and learn from it. So I think... There's three really different lessons I've learned, and fairly important ones, you know. It is sort of a, a philosophical thing, but yes. I don't believe in, in sacking horses. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on and on about horses that have taught me things, but they're three fairly important messages, I think. Okay. Thinking about people or a person that's influenced you you've talked about Fred Hoovenars is it Fred you know just what someone that stands out that you think wow they've really influenced me quite a lot or or a couple of people yeah there's a lot of people really I mean um, yeah I know as I say I worked with Fred at the AA that that was big uh, it was quite funny really because he didn't often say anything good but, you know, he might come in and, and just grunt and you think, well, that obviously isn't great. So, <laughs> so that was good and we actually stir him right up about it now. Mm. But, you know, Edgar Leake Bark and Marianne Leake Bark, who's mm-hmm. no longer with us, were both hugely influential in this country and people didn't really know a lot about them because they weren't ever people that would um, blow their own trumpet. So, mm. But their knowledge was classical and very much give the horse a go and listen to the horse, feel the horse, you know, make it work for the horse as well as for yourself. Mm -hmm. Some people, like I have a a cowboy friend who says, look, all you're really trying to do is get control of the feet. And so in a different way, he's saying the same story Mm -hmm. over and over, getting the horse to work with you and, and, you know, really – 
encouraging the development of a, a friendship and a relationship. And I don't mean that to sound fluffy because I know mm, sometimes mm. it can be very confronting and you have to ride through that and you have to uh, accept the bumps in the road as well as the smooth bits. Mm, so, mm. yeah. Yeah, now, there's so many people. I mean, you know, yeah, and yeah. Kelly. I mean, you know, there's lots of places people you can you can go through, and you'd, you'd have a list as long as your arm, really. Mm, so, mm. All yeah. right. Well, of all that, what has been your proudest moment? Ooh, well, some of my proudest moments have just involved my students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've winning a state championship novice on that really nice horse. That was a really nice moment because we'd worked pretty hard to get there. And uh, But as I say, a lot of my proudest moments have been from my students' point of view. Mm-hmm. I had a student who is a coach as well from Tasmania who came over to the Nationals when they were last in Melbourne and, and got a ribbon in the elementary, which you know doesn't sound very much, but mm. for somebody a not-so-flash horse come over from in Tassie, <laughs> which is no mean feat. Yep. And, and to get a, you know, a ribbon in the top six, I think it was a pretty good – she yes. was so up in the moon. Yep. And like I say, it was all about the training with, mm. with her. She's mm. a great girl. Um, and, you know, I teach a lot of uh, junior riders that are hopefully going to be – at the moment, they're quite promising. Now, whether they go on and, and go the whole hog, that's another matter. But as I say, they're so fortunate these days because they've got such lovely horses that they've really got the world at their feet. Yep. And so I take a lot of pride out of their performances. And also just teaching people. I, a lot of people that I teach are very unassuming people on nice horses, nice enough horses, and they just get their horses going more directly, more forward, more willingly. Mm-hmm. And to me, now I say, look at this, you know, this is fantastic. And it, they, and they go around in adult riding classes, um, some, doing some dressage tests, and everyone says, hey, that person's going really well. And <laughs> yes. that to me, I love it. You yes. know, they're um, housewife superstars, mm-hmm. and they really work hard. And yep. then, you know, they're young, they're, you know, they could be a little bit more middle-aged than, than the average person, but hello, they really make mm. me feel proud. Great. Really. Great. And they're people that I teach in sort of more remote areas, so mm-hmm. they're not going to a different instructor every fortnight. Mm. Um, they basically do their homework in between clinics and you can't wipe the smile off their faces. You know, that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's that important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really it's it's yeah, very satisfying, I'm sure. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Very, very. I love those clinics. Yep. All right. Now we'd like a training tip for riders and handlers and also a training yeah. tip for horses. You know, that, that so okay. uh, something for the riders to think for their own riding, but then yep. something they can do with their horse as well. What have you got? Yeah. My motto for everybody, whether they're leading a horse, riding a horse, going to catch the horse, is expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. horse, and the more cocky you feel, the yeah. more they throw the unexpected at you. Yep. As far as the rider is concerned, whatever you're doing, you need to use plenty of preparation time. And okay. um, that's probably my most common 
comment on a dressage sheet mm-hmm. as a judge. And when they're training their horses, they have to set their horse up to win, not to fail. Mm-hmm. So that sort of covers all avenues, really. Good. All right. What about a book? Have you got a book that you would recommend? Well, I think everybody needs to have the principles of riding the German handbook yep. because it sort of encompasses everything you need to know. Of course, it's got the, the training scale well explained in there and these days are so mindful of the training scale. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, people have to understand that the training scale is not just a series of words that are linked together, that it, they have to have it run through their head in all their training at every yes. level. yep. Yeah, and um, I even like some of the Tellington Touch books, which – might not be everybody's cup of tea, but they do tell you a lot about horse language. I think mm-hmm. people need to understand the signs of discomfort in horses a little bit more thoroughly these days. So much more um, educated on these things, mm-hmm. and people don't sort of recognise that enough. There's a lot of people coming into horses that don't necessarily. I mean, I don't come from a horsey background, but I've had it there all the time. But you see a lot of people buy horses for themselves or their children and they actually have no inclination to learn about horsemanship. Mm. And that can be sort of catastrophic in, in some cases. Mm-hmm. So I think anything that's going to help you increase your own knowledge and education on those topics is, is so important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what does your future hold, Sue? What do you plan? You know, My future? Yeah. I keep riding as long as I can mm-hmm. and looking at these two horses, trying to get – I'd like to get at least one of them to FEI. And mm-hmm. in the meantime, I just keep doing what I'm doing, my coach educating, educating and my regional clinics Yep. and my students in this area. Uh-huh. Um yeah, so no, that's that's great. Sounds sounds like you're already doing what you love doing anyway. Yeah. What, what, have you got a lesson for the listeners today? Just a, a um, philosophical lesson or something that they can go away and think about after today's. Uh, yeah. In, yep. Yeah, I think you have to have a plan, mm-hmm. and to be fair to the horse, you have to stick to the plan. I think it's really important to have a coach or a, stru- a teacher, a teacher and a mentor that is on, on the right track uh-huh. and can take you with them rather than thinking you're going to get instant results. It is a very slow process. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's frustrating, but you've got to recognise the try in the horse just like you want an instructor or teacher that recognises the try in the rider. Mm-hmm. I think the main, main thing is to take your time and, and give the horse a chance. Yep. You have to remember that when we're riding, we become the horse's leader. Yes. And if we start, if something goes wrong, I this is something else I talk about that I, I don't think, Mean and nasty horses were born that way. I think they get like that because riders are confused. Yep. And when the going gets a little bit tricky, mm-hmm. the rider sort of becomes grey 
and the, the horse goes, well, what do you want me to do? And something might happen and someone will say, well, that's a naughty horse. But in actual fact, if you just kept doing what you were doing instead of becoming emotional, yep. then the horse would probably stay more level-headed. So I, I think you need to have somebody that develops your confidence in your own abilities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, lets you go off and be confident, yep. not keep you on their sort of apron strings eating you all the time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Look, Sue, it's been yeah. great talking to you today. If people want to contact you about clinics or contact you for any other reason, what's the best way for them to contact you? Probably on my email, suechandler07 yep. at gmail.com. All right. And we'll put that in the show notes as well for people to contact okay. you. Okay. I, I do have a website, which I haven't updated for a while, but I do have a website with some information about my history and everything if people want that. And that's um, Chandler Equestrian Services, all one word. Yes. Uh, at weebly.com. Okay. All right. Yeah. And we'll put that link up as well. All right. Thank, thanks very much, it's been Sue. a pleasure. <laughs> Thank it's you. Been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you, Glennis. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.